0: Good morning and welcome to Grace. It's good to have you here this morning and I hope everybody got a bulletin as you came in so that you can follow along in our service. You'll see some of our songs and readings and everything. Uh, put together there in the bulletin for you. Let me welcome those of you who are visiting with us. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit. If you'd like to leave that with us, there's a blue card there in your pew somewhere called a guest card. And we'd love to have a record of your visit. And if you're willing to leave us some information of contact, we'd be glad to contact you. Uh, reach out to your family and see how it is that we can minister to you if we're able to do that. Uh, there's also a prayer card on the back it's not just for visitors and guests but it's also for those of you who would like to fill out a prayer request if you would like to put that in the offering plate as it comes by then those get put on my desk or if you would like it to be more personal and just want to fill it out you can just fill that out hand it to me uh, at any point during the time or take it back put it in my office Um, and put it on my desk uh, if you just want it to come straight to me. So uh, please share those with us. Uh, We'd love to have uh, a record of what's going on with your family while you're here and how we can minister We do have a few announcements. Let me share with you. I'll let you read through those as normally they're there. We post them online. If you're not receiving the bulletin online, please call the office and get with Christy because every week she sends out the information ahead of time so that you can actually see what's happening and what's going on. And if there's something we can correct or fix, we try to do that here in the morning. And so you'll notice on our bulletin, it says the women's picnic is Saturday, July 9th. And so, I don't know if that's next year or the previous year, but Saturday is not the ninth. So, that is for Sunday. That is next Sunday. So, ladies, please know that right after service, you'll see it there at 1230, after church, after Sunday school, please plan on coming and being a part. Uh, It is going to be on Sunday. And we want you to come. So if you haven't made arrangements, uh, call the the office and let us know or sign up online, I'm sure. Or you can call Paula or Cindy or someone in the women's ministry. But they would love to have you uh, to come into fellowship and get to know the ladies better as well. Uh, You'll notice the office is closed for 4th of July. So uh, if you are calling the office, please leave a message. Or you can call my cell phone if something comes up. If you don't know that. Um, I've tried to encourage many of you to put my cell phone in your phone system Because many times i'll call you and then i'll get an answering machine and then you'll call me right back And at least you're faithful in saying pastor. I didn't have you in my book um, so put me in the lambs book of life there (laughs) And make sure i'm there so that you'll know when i'm calling you No, really you can call me anytime. That's the phone I use. So please if something comes up call me also the men's chorus we've been meeting together as men we plan on singing for you in the future and you can invite all the other churches and neighborhoods and people you want to come and hear us because we're going to be ready to go but men we need you to be here if you're here obviously you hear this announcement and if you love the Lord and love Jesus then you'll be here right after Sunday school to uh, fill in really I know it's hard men as we're traveling this summer we're in and out all the time but uh, if you're here and able, uh, Carl said, they're going to meet right after Sunday school, you know, just for about a half hour is all to run over a few things. So if you're able to stay and do that, we'd love to have you. If not, you can speak with Carl and, and catch up with that. And then what's not in the bulletin is the men's breakfast. It is our normal fellowship breakfast this Saturday. It's not in there, but it is taking place, men. So no, the second Saturday, which is next Saturday, is the men's breakfast. So please come, fellowship, a wonderful opportunity to invite a friend, invite someone else that's maybe not regularly attending somewhere or just doesn't have the fellowship that they can come and and meet with our men and fellowship together. Uh, We are planning on buying our books for the men's group coming up, so we're already planning on the the King's uh, study that will be taking place this fall. So men, uh, be in prayer about joining us on Wednesday nights as we do our men's study. We're going to continue following through the teaching. We finished with 2 Samuel And we're going to go starting the same series, the same book, right through Kings. And so we invite you men to come and be prepared on Wednesday nights to fellowship with us and study. So lots going on. I know I'm excited for our youth. If you've known, I know Sarah and Zach have been busy keeping our youth going with all kinds of activities. And I know you can't always make them all, but they've been faithful to just list them and be here and to find some individual time and fellowship time together as well. So Uh, If you have any questions, please call Zach or Sarah or call the office and we'll hook you up. But they're they're constantly putting things through the bulletin this summer for our young people to be a part of. So we're so thankful for the interns that they've been here as well. Uh, But other than that, uh, call the office if you have any other questions. Uh, We'd love to help you this summer. I know we have many traveling in and out all summer long. Uh, But while we're here, we want to love the Lord. We want to worship Him together and serve one another as we can. And so let's take a moment before we continue. You'll see the meditation in here. Let me give you just a moment after I read it. And then, if you would pray the Lord's Prayer after I open us together. But let's take a moment in silence as we're told in our meditation The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Lord, it's that same silence that your son Jesus sought out when he needed to be refreshed, to be vines. It's in the silence that we try to set apart everything else in the world that's happening so that we can focus on your will, your purpose, and what it is you have for us. Lord, in this silence this morning, we pray that you would just open our hearts and minds. Let us see what it is like to spend an entire day with Jesus. A normal day, side by side, serving and worshiping you. Lord, I pray that you will do that this morning as we set aside the worldly hustle and bustle, find ourselves in your presence, separated from the world through song, prayer, worship, fellowship, and the word, that we might truly be changed, prepared and filled, and ready to serve. Lord, we know that we can come and find that filling here through your word, through singing. But we also know that we can empty our hearts, that we can come to the throne of grace, that we can come in time of need, knowing that we're two or three are gathered together. We can ask according to your will, and it's done. And so, Lord, reveal your will to us. Reveal to us what it is you want us to do. come, And yet, Lord, regardless of what that is for each of us, we boldly come to the throne of grace. For no other reason than to pray as you taught us saying our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and to tempt us our debts as we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation But deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen if you're able stand with me as i call us to worship i'll read the light print if you'll join together with me in the bold print and then we'll just flip the page and sing together as we worship from psalm 118 give thanks to the lord for he is good love of endures forever. endures forever let israel say love and let the house of aaron say and let those who fear the Lord say, in Amen. You may be seated. And hopefully you have your bulletin to follow along as we share together. Uh, it's always a privilege uh, to be able to worship together and in many services. There's not the participation, but here we enjoy that. And so in your bulletin, please join me as we join together in worship and share together before the throne of grace. You'll see the congregational confession of sin. And so if you would join me in reading this prayer together. Almighty Father, we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and he has ascended into the heavens. Now, by faith, may we ascend where he is and in heart and mind be with him. He now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would help us feel his presence already here in worship. Father, we confess our minds are not ready to receive your word. We confess our hearts do not long for fellowship amongst your church. We confess our wills are not prepared to obey and serve your world. Father, forgive us, cleanse us, and make us ready and willing for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Micah, one of our small Old Testament prophets, writes us and says, there is no God like you. You forgive those who are guilty of sin. You don't look at the sins of your people who are left alive. You will not stay angry forever because you enjoy being kind. You will have mercy on us again. You will conquer our sins. You will throw away all our sins into the deepest part of the sea. Find assurance through the scriptures and know that whatever your sin is, whatever that needs to come before him, we have a faithful God who will cast it as far as east is from the west. And you can know that you can be right with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And being right with him, not only do we realize that we're in a relationship with him, but we learn to confess those truths that he gives us, the truths not only about him, but about the word that he gives us. And so join me this morning as we continue in the Westminster Larger Catechism, confessing the faith as laid down by our forefathers uh, in the Westminster Divines. The question reads, what does the second commandment require? The second commandment requires us to receive, respectfully perform, and preserve completely and purely all the regulations for religion and worship that God has established in His Word. These include prayer and thanksgiving in the name of Christ, the reading, preaching, and hearing of the Word— The administration of and receiving the sacraments church government and discipline the administration and upkeep of the church religious fasting swearing by the name of God and making vows to him also included are disapproving denouncing and opposing false worship and doing our best in accordance with our position and calling in life to eliminate it and all forms of idolatry." It's amazing as the word goes before us just how much we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and His mercy. And so as we take a moment before we bring the offering this morning, let me take a moment pray for the congregation. At the end of that, I will go ahead and pray for the offering and if our ushers would please come at the end of the prayer uh, to take up our offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray this morning that you would find favor on us. Lord, we know that your scripture tells us that you're a faithful God and that you're a forgiving God. And Lord, we have experienced that through many times in our life. Yet Lord, I pray this morning that for one who wrestles with what it is that Satan is using to hold them captive, is what he is using to remind them of their failures and their faults, that Lord, you would rise up within them as your child, that they would realize that you are greater than Satan, that you have defeated him. You've overcome the temptations. You've given your life in obedience. You've laid down your life on the cross, and you now live at the right hand of the Father to reign over all things. Lord, reign over us. Lord, we do pray that you'll take the sicknesses of our church, all those that are facing rehab and rehabilitation uh, regimens, Lord, we pray for those who have been through surgeries and are recovering. Lord, we pray for those facing grief as they overcome the loss of their loved ones. Lord, we also pray for those uh, who are preparing for upcoming school, a change in plans and careers. Lord, we pray for those who are determining where to serve you in the mission field, whether it's abroad or here. Lord, we pray for those who are caring for their elderly parents, for those who are daily caring not only for parents, but for their spouses, even their children. Lord, we pray for strength that we can daily follow you. Lord, we pray for those who are hurting. We pray for those who are lost within our congregation. Lord, it's our earnest desire that as we minister to others, it's not just for the sake of service, but that it would lead to salvation, that you would reach down and use us so that we might truly see your kingdom expand, watch you work as you draw your children to yourself so that, Lord, we may be blessed and used by you. Lord, use our church. Lord, use it to further your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you'll take the offering that we're about to receive Lord, that you would use it for missions around the world, that you would use it for us to support those who are eagerly desiring to serve you. Lord, I pray for the young Ukrainian couple that has come to share with us last week, that as they put their efforts forward here in America, that they would find the support needed to be able to go home and to serve, to do it in the anxiety of their own country amidst all the war and fighting, knowing that their number will be called, and yet they're willing to serve faithfully. Lord, yet us be, let us be willing to serve faithfully, knowing too that our number will one day be called as well. Lord, to be home with you to the place that you've promised, but in the meantime, let us use our gifts that you've given us to further your kingdom, to expand your church here on earth, and to minister to your children. Lord, all these things, we know that you can do as you've entrusted us with those gifts. We give them back to you, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If our ushers would please come forward to help. we prepare our hearts, turn in your bulletins to just as I am as we sing and prepare for the word of God. Thanks again to our music team for helping us as we worship and prepare our hearts. I hope you will be filled. We've been studying Mark and Mark's desire from the very beginning has been a power packed message that has nothing to do but getting to know Jesus. It's not about what he's accomplishing and the things that are beside him and the things that are outgrowths of it. It's it's about him. I hope you come to church this morning, not just to say you went to church, but to come to church to get to know him, to be confronted with the words of God that would help you understand him. Because Mark's gospel moves very fast. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, yeah, right, we're still in the first chapter. I know. I've already heard that. I I was... uh, listening to ken abbott's service online and as you know with ken abbott he's a wonderful teacher and there's so much to hear you want to listen but every time i would listen to it i would just hear this when jerry gets to chapter nine (laughs) i keep hearing that when jerry gets to chapter nine i don't know if he was like saying jerry you should be in chapter nine right now Um, but we're still moving through this And I try to take it in excerpts together, so please pray with me because we're not quite going to finish chapter one, but there is so much in just the first day. That's what this is. If you haven't kept up with your own reading and realize where we are today is we're going to finish all that has happened in Mark's teaching on only the first day that his stories begin. All this that took place. I titled it, and teasingly, throughout the week, just a normal day with Jesus. And I can't imagine what it would actually be like to live with him. I know all of us have our own backgrounds and our own attitudes and our own anxieties that go along with it. But have you ever met somebody that had, uh, and I'm going to use different terms, so I hope it's not wrong, but if you met someone that had ADD, And then they came up with term with H-D-A-D. And now I think we have terms that are just on fire, is what they call it. Some parents would just simply say they're just being boys. But I can't imagine if I was with Jesus right now, how many people would have wanted to cast out the demon in Jesus for no other reason than he would never slow down. I even told the elders when I moved here, folks, Sometimes there's going to be those days when you're going to want to say, Jerry, hold on, just slow down a minute. I've already brought together plans. You don't know this yet. (laughs) On how we're going to expand the concrete, the walkways, I've told you that. What the pavilion's going to look like, the education center. How the new building will house the food ministry. I mean, these go through my mind, you know that. It's hard for me to sleep, and my wife has to jerk me constantly. No, not this week, Jerry. No, not this week, Jerry. Oh, I don't know about you, but that's a normal day with Jesus. I can't imagine that he would tap me on the soldier and say, come on, Jerry, nap time's over. We've got another healing to do. Come on, we've got people hurting over here. We've got people who are hungry over here. We've got people who've been rejected over here. Listen to his words. Come on, we've got another city to go to. We're not talking about just feeding the neighbors next door or running an errand across town. Mark packs it all in and simply says, this is what happened on the end of this first day. Here's what he says, verse 29 in chapter 1. Immediately after they left the synagogue, that's this where Jesus immediately went that day, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with fever and they immediately spoke to Jesus about her and he came to her and raised her up highlight that word a gyro he actually physically touched raised put his hands on her which may not mean much to you but he never does that in an exorcism at all you'll never find Jesus touching someone to cast out the demons in the sense But he physically, for some reason, takes her by the hand, and this fever leaves her, and she served him, or them, in some Greek texts. Now when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit those demons to speak, because they knew who he was and in the early morning while it was still dark Jesus got up left the house and went away to a secluded place highlight that word that's the same word in the Greek I'll share with you as the desert place the deserted place and there he prayed for a time Simon and his companions eagerly searched for him, and they found him and said to him, "'Everyone is looking for you.' And he said to them, "'Let's go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may also preach there, for this is why I came.' And he went to their synagogues, preaching throughout Galilee, and casting out the demons." May the Lord bless the reading of his word as Mark shares it with us on a normal day with Jesus. If I can take you on a journey here, let me take you on a few things together as we share. First of all, and every day with Jesus, we must understand, is a day of fellowship. Write that down. It is a day of fellowship and family, if you wish. Why? Listen to what he tells us. Immediately after they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon. There's some things you need to know about Peter and about the synagogue. And for those of you who love archaeology and what's been uncovered, we realize that the synagogues that have been unearthed, if you wished, in excavations, and as we've been able to learn about how they work and, and who lives there, it's the true understanding of many today that as they left the synagogue... You would enter into a narrower corporate hallway to a common room, which would lead immediately into these homes. It would almost today, in an unfair example, be like living in an apartment complex of the days I grew up. Not townhouses, and when each one had their own opening. But when I grew up, when we went to the apartments, it was always scary because you would go up to the apartment door, you would open the apartment door, and then you would enter this long hallway. And there would be Apartments inside these hallways, and they would all lead to a center room. Almost as if, if the people in that apartment complex wanted to gather together for a meeting, there was a common place in that room where they could all meet. Well, that was the synagogue. The synagogue was put right amongst all the homes built together around it, where the people could gather together regularly for instruction. And as they left that room, it would just enter into the hallway where everyone would have their own homes. And one of those homes were Peter's. Now, mark this down and keep this, because if you're going to follow Jesus and understand this, how many of you would like to live right next door to the church? I would love to do that. One's right across the street. I've already planned. You don't know this again. (laughs) But how nice it would be to use that field out there for a nice house. I could just walk to work. I could just be here all the time. We could, you know, have all the help you needed. But folks, there's also the downside because we live in a culture that says fellowshipping in closeness is hard. Not many pastors today want to live near the church. I need my own time, I need my own space, I need my own privacy, I need to have time to get away where nobody else can interfere with the things I'm doing. We blame it on finances today and we even say this, it's better to have your pastor live somewhere else and to own their own properties so when the time comes they can have something to sell and have the money to move on to something else. You ever found that in Scripture? See, it's amazing because we live in a culture that's unlike many other cultures. We don't understand, if I can use it gently, when the Oriental cultures or the Hispanic cultures or those cultures that come into our society today and we look at them and they live with multiple families in one place, multiple families in one dwelling, We look at that and we don't understand the matriarchal influence of the eldest mother that's in the home and what she carries with her is the weight of all those children and families that live under one roof. To us, we look at that as that's too much hustle and bustle. That's not enough space. There's no privacy. And folks, all of a sudden we realize that's what happens when you follow Jesus every day. There is no privacy. And why should there be? Should your life not be an open book? Should you not be willing to house and to host and to fellowship with those that are in need? Is it okay that we would come to church on a Sunday? And wouldn't it be nice if your pastor had a house in that field right there? That every day his wife, who would love to cook a meal every Sunday, (laughs) and then they could just come right on over and fellowship. Jump on the trampolines, play with the sheep, you know, whatever else it is that we had. Folks, it just doesn't seem right, but every day with Jesus, they go to Peter's house. Now listen to this, not to belabor it, but they're sharing a calm in life immediately. They didn't just go to church and then take the week off to go on vacation because, oh my gosh, I had enough of one day with Jesus, man, that's enough. I got to get away. They immediately went to the homes and catch this. They went to Peter's house where his mother-in-law was sick. Now, I don't know if you caught the sickness there. It was a what? A fever. That's probably what you focused on. I couldn't help but to focus on that term, mother-in-law. Why in the world would they go to the mother-in-law's house? I'm waiting for your response. I didn't think of it as the negative term. I thought about it this way: Do you realize that the founding of the entire Catholic Church is founded on this understanding that the celibacy or the or asceticism of the bishops or the leaders or the Pope is grounded in neglectings of the family, so that they could pay attentions to the church? So today we have priests and bishops and popes that are no longer married because of the celibate lifestyle, because the pope is supposed to be one who is completely focused on the church and not family. And yet, you know who the Catholic Church claims is their founding pope? Peter. And who do we find in Peter's home? A (laughs) mother-in-law. Which means Peter must have been what? married folks it's amazing when I think of that that isn't it astounding that we would spend centuries over requirements of what is necessary for people to serve the Lord and it's not about being ascetic you can serve the Lord faithfully and you don't have to neglect your family you don't have to put things aside you don't have to do it on your own yes Christ must come first but even Peter was married and had a family Which makes it even more important of the decision that he made to become a fisher of men. Because to become a fisher of men would mean a lot to Peter now. When you understand, as Mark would tell us, that you must give up everything and count it as loss. And to pick up your cross and follow me. To become a fisher of men and to leave your net and to leave your business and to follow me wasn't just by saying I have to quit my day job. It was saying I also have to leave my mother-in-law and those behind, my family. We learned about how the Lord would take care of the business. Have you trusted the Lord to take care of your business? Or are you still so busy preparing your business that you're not able to do the Lord's business. Oh, family is important. Peter had a family. He was married, but he was called to the ministry. That meant his family was going to have to be a part of that. His brother, Andrew, to the homes, James, John. We learn it throughout the books that family is important. Write that down. Keep it. Every day with Jesus is a reminder that your family is involved in this ministry. Be careful how it affects your family. Not only that, but it's about feeling. Listen to what he says. They went into the mother-in-law's house. They raised her up. We get the first impression about having feelings when you're with Jesus. You can't just brush people off. You can't just act as though you know what's wrong and someone else will take care of it. You can't just act, act as if the 10% will do the 90% of the work. That's what we hear all the time. They said churches that are growing in discipleship have moved beyond the 80 20 That 80% of the work of the church is done by what? 20% of the people in church. Catch that. A, A good church that's being discipled is moving beyond the 80 20. I'm surprised we wouldn't be able to say that we've moved beyond the 50 50, that we have people who are eager to serve to reach out and show compassion. That's what Jesus did when he got to the house. We're automatically looking at what it means to have feelings for other people. You've seen your neighbors when they're outside working on their cars because they can't get them fixed. They need rides to work. They need help getting to school. And it's a burden and it's a task. But you think like any good Christian would think and say, well, if I just leave for work 15 minutes earlier, I won't see them. If I just act like I'm in a hurry, I won't have to help them. If I don't ask them what they need, I won't have to buy it. Because we're in ministry without feelings. We turn off our hearts. Your pastor confesses. That when certain people, as I've learned, need help, You sometimes turn off your feelings because it's repeated help. They must not really want the help. They must not really want the change. I'm not really sure how much more our church can help you. Is that you? Have you turned your feelings off? Have you gotten to the point where you realize that every day with Jesus is going to be packed with feelings? Because he's going to stop to help everyone who is in need. He's going to cast out the demons who are causing the imprisonment in their lives. He's going to reach out to help them where they are sick. He's going to reach out and touch them where they are hurting. He's going to stop them when they're bleeding. He's going to help them when they can't see. He's going to fix their ears when they can't hear. And you're going to walk alongside of Jesus constantly saying, Okay, Jesus, I got it, I got it, I got it. We're never going to get to where we're going to go if you're going to spend all the time just helping people and showing compassion and feeling toward others. I could almost hear Jesus turn around and say, well, where do you think we're going to go? This is the place my father sent me to be. Do you remember when they said, your family looks for you? He said, behold, my mother and brother. Is that how you see your neighbor? Or have your feelings been hardened? Maybe it's not even your neighbor. Maybe it's in your own church. We all know what it's like to serve on sessions, deacon boards, ministry teams. We all know how hard it can be. Sometimes we can just turn a cold heart. Sometimes it's not even those in our church, it's within our own family. We did our part by raising them. I like how the book of Jeremiah says, when they're 18, they're no longer your responsibility. I like that part. That's Jeremiah, not Jeremiah. I guess I could shorten it and call it the book of Jerry's. (laughs) But the truth of it is we live in a culture where the culture determines when our children are no longer to be felt. To be a burden. To need us. I can no longer preach to them. They're old enough to make their own decisions. I just love them for who they are. Let me fix that statement when you have hardened feelings. You're old enough to go to hell, and I hope you like it when you get there. (laughs) Because that's what you've really said. My heart has been hardened. You're old enough to make your own decisions. It's not worth the hassle. I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to let you live your life. You're old enough to do it on your own. Every day with Jesus Would never be a day like that. It was also not only about their family and these feelings that we'd have. Listen to what he said to the demons while he was healing her. Reach down to touch her, raise her up. It's the Greek word, a gyro, to raise up and lift. He didn't just reach over and say, Be healed, my lovely one. He reached down and raised her up, stood her up. Now I don't know what kind of fever she had. But if it's the fever that I get when you're achy and shaky and your mouth is dry and you're weak and your head's hurting and pounding sometimes like this, I can't imagine what it would be like if someone just said, get up on your feet, let's go. But Jesus stood her up. So much so in the healing and freeing her that just the compassion he showed her to heal her, she immediately rose to serve them. I like this part. Don't tell my family If we could mute this part later, she raised her up and she did, if you were to read the history of it, what mother in laws do in serving the hosts and those that attended. Are you? When God touched and changed you, did you become a servant? Or did you get sidetracked on becoming something you wanted to be and what others wanted you to be? Oh, it wasn't just about the family, if you wish, and having feelings. It also goes about being fed, or let's call it the feeding. Listen to what he said. He was there at the house. He healed them. and He stopped the demons from speaking. You probably understand that. If you've never heard of the secrecy of Jesus, you can go and do your research on that. It's an understanding of why it is that Jesus wanted the demons to be kept quiet. I could only paraphrase it quickly by saying this. In our own traditions, does anybody understand Calvinism? Come on, raise your hand. There's a few of you who understand that. We would also call them the doctrines of grace. Do you understand tulip? Right? You know the words that go along with it. Well, I have to admit to you, you understand predestination. Yeah, see, these are the things that happen of why the demons were kept quiet. Because the truth of it was, the demons knew who he was. They knew why he came. And they knew that he was the suffering servant that would lie himself or lay himself down on the cross where he would give his life a ransom for the many. And yet, that's not what the people wanted to hear. Do you remember what the people wanted to hear? Where's our champion? Where's the stallion that he's going to ride? Where's the crown that we're gonna put on this warrior? And that's not what the demons would say. And so he what? He silenced them. It's not time yet. Just like when those of us get so excited about Calvinism, we want to talk about tulip and we want to talk about predestination and election and the sovereignty of God. Sometimes it's best if you'll just what? Just be quiet. There's nothing harder than trying to re-explain limited atonement to someone who already explained it wrong. Or to try to understand predestination from someone who explained it in a way that didn't even deal with people but events. You see, when it comes to having compassion on people, let's be honest, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be silent and let the Lord work. But it's a, But listen to the feeding that takes place. In the early morning while it was still dark, it's a double rendition. We don't know why he says it to make it clear. Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place. This is the place, if you wish to call it that, which is that word eramos. I gave it to you earlier. It's the same word for wilderness that is used when John was preaching and when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. He found this place, where he could be alone, where it was the reminder of the temptations that he faced, that he overcame, and that he had to be committed to service and surrender his life to the Father's will. All that took place in that wilderness setting with Satan is the place he found himself before he could carry on the next task. Jesus needed to be fed. Spiritually. Only three times in the gospel of Mark do we find Jesus praying. And all three times. They're around the hustle and bustle and the hurry about all that's taking place of his ministry. One even obviously the garden of Gethsemane. One after the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus' task, the next at hand, lies before him. And we find him finding a place to be fed. Every day with Jesus, a place to be fed. I know when things get tense in my own home, my wife sets me straight over a lot of things. But I can almost always admit when the tension rises and the frustration comes and things don't look well, I could almost answer my own thoughts by saying this. I just need to have some time alone with Jesus. I haven't been doing as much reading this week. I haven't been spending time with Jesus. Can you imagine going weeks and months and years without being close to Jesus? To spend every day with Jesus and not be any closer to him would be like so many of us who've spent every day with our families and have been drawn farther apart. Because just being in the presence isn't enough. It's in the presence where we can be alone, that we can share and be fed. He prays. He reaches out to the Father He's there. They're searching for him. That's the word that is actually used in Greek. Kadadiochen is the word that is used. It's actually the word, if you want to put it into its actual rendering, it's two words according to things that happened. It's actually they actually sought out after him. They were determined to find him. Some would even say they hunted him down. That's the eagerness that was used. The New American Standard says they eagerly searched him. Why were they searching for him? Why do they need this man who's needing to be fed to come? He's needing to be fed himself. He's got a task laid before him, he's got a journey that he must fulfill. He needs to be obedient. And there are many people that want to come to him. And do you know why they're coming to him? To get what they want, to be healed. To have a better life so they can go and live it the way they want, not with Him. I don't want to be critical, but how many times do we find ourselves in the quiet place because we need something from Jesus? rather than just being drawn close to learn more, to love more, and to be known more, we show up to get. We're not much different than the demons following Jesus around every day. So we realize as they're searching him out, he's finding himself alone, relationship with the Father. Mark this down and write this down. I hope it'll help you. Jesus is the Son of God because he's being with him. He's one with him. He's the servant of God because he's at one purpose and will with him. Which one are you? Are you a child of God because you're one with him? Or are you just a servant trying to accomplish things? It's going to be hard to be the servant if you're not a son. It's the in-feeding, the strengthening that Jesus gets that allows him to extend it to everybody else. And it's no different for us. If you're not being fed by the Lord, you're not going to be able to feed others. If you're not being drawn in by the Lord and being strengthened and nourished on a daily basis, you're not going to be able to reach out and give it to others. You're going to become hard hearted. You're going to become frustrated with your family. The feelings are going to be gone. The feeding gets old, and pretty soon you don't even need time with Jesus. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, mark it down in your books, write it down in your journals of how often you spend time with Jesus just to be with Jesus. I could probably tell you the answer if I asked, how many times have any of you come to church just to pray at church? One of the things that hindered ministry most, and I'm embarrassed to say that, is we were in the middle of Novi, Michigan, planting a church on the outskirts of Detroit, helping a small church. And just up the road from us was a building that went empty, and we were using it to start another church. And the Koreans came to me, not the whole country, but the few people that were there. Dr. Strait, could we use this building alongside you since we're both small? We never had more conflicts in ministry Than when we shared that building. Because every time we showed up to use the building, there would be people in the building doing what? Praying. I'm not kidding you. Four o'clock in the morning, praying. Eight o'clock at night, praying. And for us who were trying to plant a church American style, that didn't work. Because prayer was supposed to happen between 11 and 12. It was supposed to happen on Sunday nights at 6.30. It was at Wednesday nights at 7. And all of a sudden we got a crash course in the fact that when God works, he works how he wants, when he wants, and where he wants to accomplish what it is God's asked him to do. And every day with Jesus is going to be a day like that. It's gonna be a day when we're called to do things we least expect. How do we know that? The people were searching him out. Zaten is the word. It's always a negative. When they say they were searching Jesus, do you know 10 times the word is used throughout Mark and every time it is negative? It is the same word that is used when the people were searching out Jesus to turn him in, searching out Jesus. So eventually they led him to the cross and they searched him out and they were going to crucify him. It was the word that is always used to find Jesus in a negative connotation. These people were searching for Jesus, but for the wrong reasons. And Jesus wasn't interested in it. Listen to his response as we get it. They're searching him out. Jesus realized that the crowds, the number of people did not determine Success, entertainment, if you wish, enthusiasm does not equal, if you wish, a faith that is enduring. Sometimes churches are grown from 500 to 200, and they're the strongest they've ever been. All of a sudden, Jesus' response is simply this. It goes from feeding If you wish to freeing, let's go. They come to him and say, come on, these people want you. They want to be healed. They want you to come back. They're excited about all that you're doing. Look at what's happening. It's marvelous things. That This is the time for us to expand and to go out. And he says, let's go somewhere else. Why? It wasn't a part of his ministry to just entertain people. He came with a purpose and a mission. Let's go to the nearby towns that I may preach there as well. Do you know after verse 29, right here, never again does Jesus do the caruxo, the preaching. Do you remember we learned it last week? Jesus doesn't do the preaching, he does the what? The teaching. Who does the preaching? the people. This is the last time that he's tied to the word that he's showing his disciples, I came to make you the fishers of men. It's your job to be ready to come with me wherever I say let's go. To get behind me and show compassion and feeling to all these people that we're freeing from their enslavement to sin. Let's go proclaim. I will make you fishers of men, he told them. And as you know, in fishing, when you go out to cast the rods, we've said this, you move from one spot to another. Until when? When? Come on, fishermen, when do you stop searching for another spot? When you what? Find the fish. Henry Blackaby said it, let's join God in what he's doing. And when people are coming to the Lord, let's stay right there. And when we stop seeing people come to the Lord, let's move to where he's working so we can be fishers of men. And be a part of what God is doing. Are you? Have you responded to the freeing message of Jesus Christ? Has it affected your family? Do you realize when everybody else wants you to do something different and the crowds begin to gawk over all that's being accomplished, Jesus may just simply say to you, let's go. I'm not interested in what everybody else is doing. We know that because listen to the last words that he finally says. Let's go that I may preach, for this is why I came. Not from Nazareth, not from Galilee. This is why I came from heaven to seek and to save the lost. Now come, go with me, and let's preach the gospel of good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that as we serve you faithfully, Lord, it's all because of you. It's your strength in us. It's the feeding we get from you. It's the nourishment that we have received. It's the sins that have been overcome. It's the cleansing that we now have. Lord, our life is because of you. Let us spend every day of it with you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to ask if the couple elders and some deacons would come and help me. I think Ted and Steve are gonna come, and we need the couple deacons to come with us. If you're here visiting with us, we invite you to be a part of the Lord's Supper if you're a Christian, if you've made a profession of faith, if you're a part of a church, you understand what it means to commit your life to Jesus Christ, to let him be the sovereign ruler and reigner of your life. You observe the disciplines that are within the church. I could go on and on and on on what's expected for those of us who are supposed to be followers of Christ. But the simple one is this, have you made a profession of faith? Have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ? For the Bible simply says, if you've called upon the name of the Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that He's been raised from the dead, then you shall be what? Saved. So we feed upon Him, sacrament, to be strengthened, to be nourished, and to have our faith increased. It's not just symbolic. It's for those of us who have faith, it's the nourishment that we need so that we can go with him, follow him, and bring that freeing gospel message to the rest of the world. So we're going to begin by passing out the bread. I'm going to ask that as we pass it out, that you please take one and hold it until we can all take one together. And then we'll participate together. While we're doing that, we're going to sing together, you'll notice, in your hymn book. So if you'll turn and have the hymn book open, we'll sing together. Hymn number 246. bring it in. Just take a moment and pray as we let them bring it in. Paul writes in Corinthians, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given things, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so it was there in the presence of the many that he took that bread and he broke it. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Was he? In the same way that they did the bread, they did the drink, And so we're going to take and pass a cup. I would ask that as you take the cup, please hold it until we can all take together. And while we're passing the drink, if you would, join me in singing hymn number 254. 254. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, we proclaim you. Caruso. We fulfill the great commission that you gave us. We want to be fishers of men. We want to be with you daily. We want to go. Beckon us to come, and we'll go wherever that call leads. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you would receive the benediction, Paul simply said, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And God's children said, amen. Amen. Have a great Lord's day.